Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Career Move Secrets. Today's guest is Ian Moyes. Ian is a Chief Revenue Officer at OneUp Sales. He's an experienced sales and technology leader. He's a blogger and a, a social influencer. He sat on numerous industry boards and bodies, and he's also crucially been an active executive job seeker in recent times. Hi, Ian. How are you? I'm good, Tony, and look forward to uh, hopefully interesting conversation today. I hope so. Yeah. Whereabouts do I find you? You're, you're in the UK, are you? Uh, yeah, I'm in uh, Woking. I'm not far from Reading, 30 miles outside London on the M4. So, uh, yeah, and uh, usual weather outside, blowy and wet. <laughs> Typical for this time of year. Lovely. And and um, obviously, you know, I've done a bit of research on your background, but my audience will not know your background. Could you give us the the sort of career summary, if you would? Sure, I'll do it as potted as, as possible to give context. So I've uh, been in sales and sales leadership. I'm proud to call it sales. I just wrote a blog and some nice stuff about that recently. That uh, for about 30 or so years, still learning, uh, managing people, but learning from those individuals as well. Um, work in the technology sector for the last 15 in the cloud computing sector. So a very interesting sector, particularly during COVID with uh, us all moving to uh, anything in the cloud that helps us work remotely. So it's a really interesting time seeing how how the market is accelerating. And I speak uh, at events, can't we get out of this right, Um, and panels and stuff on sales leadership, social selling, personal branding, managing people, lots of different subjects, just because I've had experience and uh, I've got opinion, of course. Excellent. Always good to have opinions, particularly on a show like this. So it's an interesting background. So you're, you're in a, you know, that sort of, I would imagine, fast paced, high tech, you know, everybody wants to get into this, this, this sector. Um, yeah. You're, you're involved in, in, in sales, lots of dynamic businesses. Um, but you also have, have, you know, as often is the case in, in sales, uh, even in the very senior positions, there's a good bit of, you know, in, in people moving, um there's churn you found yourself i think on the market in recent times and even during this covid period i'm very interested in that how did you find it as a as a a sort of executive level candidate in you know in in your recent job search yeah so it's interesting for me because pre and post that uh, i'm a hiring manager so so i sit on on one side of the desk Mm. Uh, so i've been on both sides of the desk and i and i see 
and experience the good, the bad, and the ugly of how candidates behave, um, how, how candidates dig their own hole to not win the sale, so to speak, which is getting the job. Um, and and so I learned from every, every interview I do, I'm learning from that, right, of how other people behave and how not to behave or things that do work so you get better at it. And I've always said that um, I'm, I'm lucky in an in, in interview mode because if you're in sales, you have been trained to do that. Because the sales job is about um, building rapport with someone you haven't engaged with or met before, um, listening, asking questions, engaging, um, figuring out what fits and what doesn't and the value that you've got and does it match what the customer's looking for and, and making sure they understand where that matches and the value um, and closing the sale and qualifying where you stand and all that stuff. Well, that's all part of an interview. The difference being you're the product. Couldn't so agree you should more. be the best at it, right? You should, you should yeah. be really good at it. And yet, and yet the behavior I see, and then I will come on to answer it from my side, but the behavior I see of salespeople often in interview is it's almost either either they're not as good as they should be in sales or they go into what's what I call interview mode. Their brain steps out of what they normally do and behave differently because they're the product and it's personal and they just lose all the things that they should be doing. And, it, and, and it's frightening sometimes because I want I always go into the hiring mode of I'm going to hire the next person through the door. How far are they going to take me away from that during the time they spend with me? Mm. I don't want to go through 50 people in interviews and hiring. I want the next one to come in to blow me away. And, and my opinion is I don't need comparison. If I find the right candidate, I don't need to see another 20. Um, I want someone to come in, nail it, and make it impossible for me to not hire them, which, which, which makes it good for both of us. And they invariably just make mistakes. So taking it back to what you asked me about, well, how did I find it? Um, you know, it, difficult, to, worrying time for those out there because you don't know what you're dealing with. It isn't normal times. So you, you don't know coming into that how finding a job at the best of times takes effort. Some of it's a bit of luck, right? Being right place, right time that someone's hiring. You could be brilliant for a company, but if they haven't got a role um, and they're not in a position where they can create one, it doesn't matter. So sometimes it's accidental timing and, and, and finding, finding for me the opportunity. So I always view that the opportunity is out there, but I've got to find it. I've got to find that one that I match the value they're looking for and I would like to do and want to do. But the hardest bit is finding it. And it's the same when I talk about prospecting customers. There are tons of people what I do today can help. But I've got to find them. If someone could just give me a list and go, well, those, those are the low-hanging fruit. Go and speak to all of those, and they're the ones that are going to want your solution. The hard part is, is, is finding that match-up. Right? So what did I do about it? Well, I, I, I treated it as a, a sale job in itself. It became, getting a job is a job. I agree. So I prospected. So I didn't wait, just go out to a couple of recruiters and say, well, hopefully you can find me something and then sit back. Uh, I didn't just look at the job boards occasionally or register them. I register for everything that could find LinkedIn, but non-LinkedIn, um, all the automated feeds and daily feeds. So I, had, I was being spammed every day by all the lists of jobs that might match and going through them all because I'm looking for mm. the needle in the haystack, the prospect. Um, and I reached out. I looked for companies that I thought would be of the right profile or things I'd look at. And I did searches uh, and, and matching it. And I approached cold 
to senior people in those organizations, the people I felt would hire for the role I'm looking for. Mm. That any, anyone can do that, right? Who is the person, if you're a salesperson, who's the sales director? Don't go to HR. So the sales director creates the need and has the plan and asks HR to support and facilitate. Uh, so I reached out to companies all over the world. You know, I, I, I've opened offices in the UK for many firms. So I reached out to companies that I could see interesting technology in an area I'm in. Oh, they don't have a UK office. Mm. Let me reach out cold to the CEO and suggest, um, don't know if you're in the market for this, but I'm looking for something. And I've done this before. And here's some points. So a short piece, but here's the value I could give if you're looking to come to the UK. Excellent. I've done it before. Um, at the end, I had 13 different, um, I, was in, I was in the mix for 13 different opportunities when I accepted a role uh, at varying stages, right? They were, I'm not going to say I had 13 offers. I had multiple offers coming at the same time, as often happens. The buses come at the same time. <laughs> but half of those, six or seven, were self-generated from scratch. In fact, a couple were, uh, we don't have anything advertised at all. Mm-hmm. Where, but we are looking to create a role, and a couple were. Uh, do you know what? We're just doing our plans um, to advertise some roles, actually, and that was opportune timing. So I jumped straight to the. T- I remember one. I jumped straight to the top of the queue. The CEO said, "Fantastic! I'm introducing you to the head of global sales, and I'd like you to have a conversation. We haven't advertised the role yet, but we've been discussing this. So I get a conversation with them prior to it even being on the market. Perfect." This is exactly what I advocate. As a recruiter, I do exactly the same thing for other people, for people that I think are genuinely superb candidates that are going to open doors. So I do exactly the same prospecting that you do. I I, I use my brain. I think, who is this person relevant to in terms of a business? I care not one jot whether there is a job for them being advertised. In fact, I'm much, much more happy that there isn't because if there is, then there's already a queue of candidates, probably a queue of recruiters on that particular case. I like the early stage situations of the hidden job market where you uncover a need, not necessarily a role, but a business need. So you establish that they want a, a beachhead into the UK, or you establish that they're about to launch a new product or service. And if you can get your excellent candidate who has exactly the same mentality that you have, which is that this will be a sales call conversation so i need to establish what the needs are establish what the the company structure is what their hole is what their gap is who's going to um who's going to be in in charge of filling that hole um you know has done their research and is able to ask open questions and then present information that maybe and the next person couldn't if you approach it in that way it's amazing how you can create really amazing roles that are built around you as opposed to and, and play to your strengths as opposed to trying to fit into a box that somebody else has created well it's like in sales right it's as i can sales. there's two there's two anecdotal comment contribution I'll, I'll get to that one is um so people who say well they have they said they haven't got a budget right so budget gets created if, if there's value in something so you know, recently I, I went through a hiring thrift uh, in my new role and we hired one extra person than we were expecting to because we, we came across someone at that opportune time. So we hadn't budgeted and planned for it. So we went and looked at the numbers, crunched the numbers, then came back and said, actually, we're going to do this later. But 
then we might have a, a, a different hiring. It might be more. Let's do it now. Mm. Let's do it now. We, we weighed up the impact and the opportunity versus the cost and the and the and the opportunity outweighed it. So we did it now. So we hired for someone where there wasn't actually a, 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 a head right now. It was planned later in the year. Um, so one is if there's no budget. So mm. people can create budget. Right. But that, that that's a plan. Plans can change if the opportunity, the value outweighs um, what the plan was doing. And the, and the other thing is um, people say, oh, yeah, well, it's not what I talk about. Why isn't it? You, do you only talk to, to people when you're buying? You only t- you only ever talk to people when you're about to buy something. I want to come. I talk to customer prospects like this. And yeah, we're not we're not in the market for it yet. Absolutely respect that. And, and but is it? Do you, do you, does that mean you don't you can't have a conversation with me? I just mm. want a conversation. It might be that we find there's some value, and yeah, in nine months' time we we reengage. But at least we've had a conversation that people assume is only worth talking to you um, if I'm buying something now. Otherwise, as a it's a waste of time no it's not you don't know what insight you might get i think that's a very good point the insight so i would always advocate and i think you've done it a very similar way if you have a focus you this is the internal machinations you need to do as a job seeker which are difficult but you have to say what am i what do i bring to the party and who would be interested in what i bring when you've established those those questions and the answers to them and you say right here's my pool of prospect companies that would be interested in me uh, and i am interested in them the more of those that you can have a conversation with, particularly if they're in a narrowish field, the more information you have just um, uncovered, which you feed into the next conversation you have with the next prospect. You start to look like somebody who's involved in the marketplace, as you should do, who has insider information and an understanding of the pressures, the problems, the pinch points. And you'll find that most of the companies have got similar issues, not exactly the same. They're all different, but there are industry-wide trends, industry-wide issues that that they'll be dealing with. If you look like a guy who understands those issues and is in at least advocating some level of solution to them, then you are a much more valuable uh, candidate than the next person. Um, and it, and it's, it's how you know it's how you 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 manage to. Um, to talk your way into a role eventually because you've got all this incredible information that you've developed through your conversations with others that might not have hired you and might not have had a role for you, but that they are, I agree with you Ian. the very valuable uh, conversations to have um, if they're within a particular area. Yeah. And, and a couple of other things that I'll, I'll, I'll throw in that I learned through the process and, and I've seen that others don't do. And I've, I've recently advised a few people I know on some ba- and it's basic stuff, but, when you're applying, um, the clues are often in the role description, what they're looking for, right? But people don't look at it. People don't look, read behind the lines and think, well, and ask the questions of, you know, an obvious question for me is, okay, why is this role available? Oh, because someone left, okay. What what is what success look like in this role? If you put someone in, what's your dream that in six, nine months they're performing like? And how, how what would they have done? Mm. I want to ask loads of questions like I do in sales because you're going to tell me, you're going to give me the clues as to how well my experience or things I know can align to what you're looking to buy. And the more I know about that, rather than saying, well, you're looking for a salesman, I'm a salesman, I'm a salesman as well. Mm. Okay, You're going to make the decision on those micro pieces, right, of whether it be a vertical market expertise or fit for the team. What... What's the key things you're going to use? Because 
and, and I'll do this with client prospects, but it'll be, um, you know, if, if there was five, th three or four key things that are really important to the person you hire for this role, what are they? Mm. Are they? Oh, if they say, oh, number one, fit for the team, it's a critical fit for the team and the culture. Right. Well, it's good to understand that. Let's figure that out. Okay. So you understand it. what does that look like? Mm. Is 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 it's forcing that uh, that meaningful engagement rather than do the usual? And I watch people do this. Um, what did you do there? And what was your experience here? And what did you do there? And it's I ask something, you tell me. I ask something, you tell mm. me. <clears throat> we work through a process and come out at the end. Okay, I'm not. Let's not work through the CV. Let's talk about what success looks like, what the value you're looking for looks like, and let's quantify that. Um, and there's some basic techniques for that, as I've described. And the other technique I use quite often is um, it, it, it is wanting to gauge where I'm at in that process or in their mindset. Too often, salespeople don't do this. That's the worst thing. Salespeople, end of interview, yeah. Um, so what's the next stage? Okay, well, that's not this one. Okay, great. Okay, that's process. But the, the, the one I always ask is, and, and my current uh, MD jokes now, he said, how many times did you ask that during the process? Because I would do it multiple steps. I would do it every time is, I really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you so much. Uh, may I, I, I'd like to ask one final question to wrap up if I could. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, on a scale of one to 10, one being I'm the worst candidate for this role you've seen, 10 being absolutely nailed, you know, per perfect match. Where would you place me today? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a, it's and they'll give you a number, right? They'll give yeah. you a number. They give you a seven. <clears throat> thank you so, thank you so much for the seven. Um, what would it have taken to be an eight or nine? Yeah. What would it have it's so simple, but you gauge where you're at. If they say three, obviously I've let myself down today. I'm disappointed. It's a three. Could could you share with me why? And it and it it could be something that you can then handle that they've misunderstood, or it could be something absolutely valid where you go, you are a three. But I know where I stand now. I'm not waiting now for the next three weeks for them to go through a process. I know I know it's going to be. They're not going to hire a three. I can deal with it. I deal with it now rather than wait three weeks time when I get, an, unfortunately, quite often a, a, a normalised approach. Unfortunately, you're one of those candidates we didn't take. But no, 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 no. Yeah. It doesn't give me any feedback, right? You don't know why. Find out why. You can learn from it. I couldn't agree more. Qualification. And it's, you know, I use a lot of these closing um, statements that are, you know, to some extent, a, a sort of neural linguistic programming type of question. You, you know, you're always asking them to future gaze. So imagine I did get the role and, you know, we're a year forward and we're doing an annual appraisal. What would I have done in this year in order yeah. to have got a promotion to the next level? And you're getting so much more out of that than, you know, in fact, frankly, this is something I've said so many times, but the questions you ask are as, as important as the answers you give. And you make a very good point about trying to make the the um, the interview conversational rather than attritional in so much as you're answering questions. You want to be asking lots of lots of questions. You want to be looking for opportunities to ask follow-up questions to the questions you have asked when you've uncovered something interesting, dive deeper, qualify further. You actually look like whether you're a salesperson or not. And I, I like you have the view that sales is not a dirty word. We're all selling all of the time and we just need to accept that and, and, mm -hmm. and, and become better at it. But, um, you know, if, if you are, if you are able to, to structure the conversation and, and have a, uh, a conversation where you dive into the issues 
you'll just look miles better than the the reactive individual who is simply there to be interrogated. Um, and it's more engaging. It's more engaging for the interviewer, right? So guess what? If it's more engaging, you've got more chance to build mm-hmm. rapport, right? You just met them. So it's not going to be a relationship, but you could, you, I, I call it the rapport piggy bank. I say this to the salespeople is, um you the more coins you put there's a there's a piggy bank every time so i say to you so tony i I really enjoyed our conversation today and i i I thank you for the time you spared me uh and i do look forward to the next chance we have to offer it right there's a little bit of coin gone in the rapport piggy bank because of the verbiage i've used and the manner i've done that within of being uh, appreciative and professional and what I'd like to do is put something in the diary and then I communicate afterwards. These are all the notes. Tony, don't I, I see you're taking notes, but um, I'll also follow up afterwards, if I may, with my understanding from my notes. Um, every little one of those is, is another coin in the rapport piggy bank. And the more I put in, the more I'm earning the right. To, if I put enough in, I can take five pound out. Right? I can't take five pound out until I put five pound in. Five pound is a bigger question. So Tony, how, how do you mm. feel? Do you think you're going to do business with me or whatever? Right. I, the more I've put in, the more rapport I've built, the more of those questions I can ask. Because if it's a mate of yours, you can ask him anything, right? You can pretty much say stuff and it's not taken personally because you've built a relationship. Yes. If I come up to you on the street and say, Tony, t- excuse, excuse me, what, uh, have you got the time? You get the time. Excuse me, excuse me. Um, you haven't got five pound of you. You're not getting five quid, right? Because you haven't earned the right to ask for you're asking for more than you've earned the right for so it's pretty simple so my view during the process is that engagement you describe is that's building rapport in the piggy bank of you can also ask more questions and they'll they'll warm to you more because it's more of a um, the more the com it's a conversation the more they'll like you and get to know you as a person as opposed to you were just a candidate who went through the same process as the last five who came through the door afterwards how many times have people said I, I like I liked Dave or I, or I liked Alice. I like them. I want to. Yeah. I think they'd fit, didn't you? It's a feeling. Often it's a fit. It is. The, the, the feedback I get after even the most senior, you know, C-suite level role that I, I might be recruiting, it's the same whether it's a junior role or a senior role. The first thing that comes out of a client's mouth is I liked them. Yep. And likability is so important. And that is, it's 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 human interrelations. It's not about how strong your background is or your CV. It's about whether you, you can build that rapport and have, um, you be engaging and be worth talking to. The other point I think you you made there, which I, which I would just like to double down on was, interview follow-up so few people yeah. do it uh it's basic manners but actually it puts you front of mind you know if they've interviewed 10 people that day and you're one of only two or three and you will be one of only two or three that actually follows up afterwards thanks them for the meeting thanks them for the time make some sort of personal um point that's that was uh, you know, that came out of the meeting, you know, whether they ran marathons or whatever it is, or they go sailing, make some sort of personal point um, and also look to perhaps engage with them further on some subject that you, you both found interesting, perhaps sharing with them uh, an article which you thought was particularly yeah. pertinent to an issue you were discussing. Something like that. It's so, it's so much better and it puts you up the list. Frankly, you've gone from you can go from number five on the list to number two or three just by doing that. Again, people don't do it. Final question, Ian. 
you know, just summing up your experience as a, a as a well, both as a, a as a recruiter, uh, a hiring manager, and as a, a, um, a an exec job seeker recently. What what's the one nugget uh, that you would pass on to others who are currently out there looking for their next senior role? I think I'd say I think a couple wraps into one of them is um, don't follow don't follow the pattern. I think too many people, and we alluded to it there, should go through the motions of this is the process it should be. I answer questions. I don't follow up. It's it, it's it's treat it. It, it. Your job is getting a job, and think what would put yourself in issues. What would make me stand out as different? And and even to the level, I'll give you my example. The job I'm in now. Uh, by the time um, I, a recruiter spotted it and said, "Oh, Ian, I think you'd be great for this because it's it's the size things you've done before." Um, there are 25 candidates in the mix. Right for the CRO role, it's an attractive role, and they came back to me and said, "Yeah, yeah, they've got enough candidates. You're not in the mix." Okay, I said no. Talk about it and said no. I I think I could match this. I read it, looked at the culture. No, I'm going to fight back, and I fought back and got back on the list. And guess what? I'm sat in now in the job and went through the 25, through the all process. Every process I was doing follow up. I was doing. Thank you so much. Even to a degree, let me give you another one. Because of the nature of the role, owning sales and marketing, um, I wrote. I looked at it and went, "Well, this is going to be very hands-on for the size of the company. You're going to need an all-rounder." I've just written a blog for you. If nothing else, you can use it anyway. But I blog for many companies. I've, I've written one. I've created one based on on external, not even on the inside yet. But there's a piece of blog content I think you could use. I've just authored. I bet the others haven't done that, right? absolutely so it's how do you show your value to them and my game was how do i show you a my my behavior of professionalism through the process it's a sales role for me so so it's i can demonstrate what i do that and all the way through i then played the tenacity card of and by the way did any of the others show that their tenacity to the level i've shown you in terms of you told me you didn't even want to talk to me and now i'm here in the shortlist of the final four isn't that the type of person you want for this role based on the nature of the role you've got? Um, and then I'd follow up with it and follow up with the rep. I was constant. I was treating it. I'm going to show you how I would behave if you employed me and how professional I am and how meticulous I am and the, st- and the de- level of detail I go to. So I'm going to demonstrate it to you. I'm not going to give you the option not to give me the job. And if you don't, I will view it as I did everything I could and you've made a choice. And in my opinion, maybe that's a mistake, but I respect your choice, but there's nothing else I could have done possibly that would have made any difference. But as it turned out, you know, I, I, I turned that around. So I would say it's about don't don't think what others are doing. Think about how can I do something different? Um, can I, like you said, can I follow up? Or when they ping you and say, yeah, we're just going through the cans, can I grab a conversation? I yep. speak to them. Can I grab a conversation? Because that's another chance to build some rapport with the people you're dealing with. Because if I want, if they like you better, sometimes it comes down to that, right? There's two candidates. They both could do the job. And, I, and this is how I always think. If they all sit in a room, if there's three or four people that have been in the process and they sit in a room and were to go, who do we want? Who want well, Dave, well, who Dave, wants Dave it more Carroll. sometimes? But maybe it's, it's a Who wants it more? Yeah. yeah, I think I think if you demonstrate that you want it more, uh, particularly in that scenario as you did, I think that that scores mega points as well. Ian, look, that's brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate some some nuggets of information in there for uh, uh, the job seekers out there. So thank you very much. More than welcome. Thank you.
Well, that was a very interesting and insightful conversation with Ian. Certainly when he was an active candidate in the market, he used the right sort of tactics. He was proactive. He had a plan. He got out and did things and spoke to people in a fairly systematic way. He he uncovered roles in the hidden job market. And then when he did actually land interviews, he was tenacious in his approach. He went above and beyond and he really made... Um, those employers think that he was the ideal candidate for the role. It's exactly the sorts of tactics that I have in my premium course, Career Move Secrets. Um, I detail exactly how you can do this, and I give you all of the done-for-you templates that I think are the ones that you need to use. If you're interested in using that approach in your job search, then please visit my site, careermovesecrets.com, and have a look at the different levels of service that uh, and the course that you can buy there. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, please consider subscribing because there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon. (laughs) 